Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 18 Not Madness, but Fear As befitting in his position, Gallias had a barrack to himself, his front door opening onto a little hallway. Leaning heavily on his stick with one hand, the old man reached up with the other to loosen his cape and slowly hang it from a peg. A door on the right side of the hallway led into a dimly lit room containing two great leather chairs, a writing table and books. Hundreds of books, on shelves and piled in heaps on the floor. In one gloomy corner, I could just make out Galeas's altar, with the red tips of incense sticks smoking and the vague outline of figurines, one of which may have been a swan. The room was little changed from previous visits, except that above the altar a spotlight now shone on the portrait of a smiling young woman. She seemed vaguely familiar in a disquieting way, yet I could not place her. Then I recognised the smile and knew I was looking at Christiana. Yet a Christiana free from the wicked horrors of her haghood. This younger Christiana had an easy, laughing beauty to her that enchanted me, as doubtless enchanted many other men, not least my father. Ah, my dear, I thought, what about the fairies, though? What? Gallias grunted. I looked away from the picture, embarrassed at having spoken aloud. The ogre was struggling into one of the leather chairs. Once he was securely sat, he nodded towards the other. I eased my body into the great soft chair and smiled at the old man. Despite my momentary discomfiture, I was relaxed, maybe even a little drowsy. I did not like Gallias, but I had set myself the task, helped by my organic narcotic infusion, to try and get through this one meeting with as little antagonism as possible. After all, I was setting off for a party on the morn. What harm a little goodwill to all men. Thank you, said Gallias, his voice growing stronger with every word, for taking the time to see me, your excellency. I am always glad to meet with you, I lied. Your opinion is something... I've always valued, as did my father, at which I glanced up at that old, ever-young portrait of Christiana. I looked again at Gallias, wondering what secrets he and she had shared in the irretrievable past. That is good to hear, said he, smiling briefly. 
His face did not benefit from the smile. The turning up of his lips just gave him a sly, supercilious look. You have heard, he continued, about the last reading of the Schwans. Blood, I said, bringing my attention back to here now. Lots of blood everywhere. And this does not trouble you. Why should it? Everybody needs blood. Without it, well, it would be rather hard to function. I glanced again at Christiana. Indeed, Your Excellency. This blood, though, was not secured in any bodily vessel. It was an ocean of blood. Spilled blood. Which could mean anything or nothing. I said, focusing on the positive. Most likely, it's symbolic. Of what, Your Excellency? Well, my family's bloodline. It could mean the Sajan line will continue into the distant future. When all the seas gang dry and rocks melt with the sun, the tide of my family's blood will run on and on and on. My eloquence impressed only me. The difficulty with that interpretation, said the old man bitterly, is that for it to have even the vaguest hope of being realised, you, and here he pointed a shaking finger at me, you, your excellency, need a brood mare, and this is something you have failed utterly to find. His words almost pricked my bubble of contentment, but I took a breath and refused to be riled. Do you believe, I asked, that by leaving me, Gath has damaged the future of my family? No, snapped Callias. I believe that your failure to provide an heir is indicative of a greater malaise eating away at the foundations of your family. You took over the Sage Intelligence a quarter century ago. For good or ill, you spent the first five years reforming, changing, smashing traditions, but since then, nothing. Once more, Spit tried to expel itself from the auger's mouth, only to dribble onto his chin. Peace and prosperity are hardly nothing, I pointed out. Peace and prosperity, built on nothing but vapidness, will end soon enough. Things must remain in motion. Inertia leads to collapse, and collapse leads to confusion, civil strife, bloodshed. His genuine anger and concern touched me. And this is what the swan reading warned about? I asked. Galias made no immediate reply. He looked exhausted and shrunken by his outburst. He gestured towards a writing table. On the table were a jug and a couple of glasses. I stood up, went and filled two glasses, returned, offered one to the auger. He drank, using two hands to hold the glass steady.
could discern nothing from the reading, Your Excellency. We could only see blood, thick and dark blood. All I have for you is speculation, but speculation that comes from years of personal experience and centuries of Augur tradition. We both sipped our drinks, and then Galia spoke again. I sometimes feel, Your Excellency, that the last 20 years have been one long, happy ever after to you. That for you, the story is complete. You need take no more active part in the affairs of your family's lands. Ah, now, Gallias, I replied. My territories are more efficiently run than at any time in history. But my words did nothing to deflect the augur from his theme. If anything, his words became more poisonous. Perhaps it's because you have seen more of the cosmos than anyone else on Enfreshka, he said. Perhaps, having lived in Demos, you feel this planet is too small to have any great interest to you. I could not stop myself taking another look at Christiana's portrait. Her face was still young and beautiful, but her smile seemed cold now, cruel even. A perfect accompaniment to Galliassi's mocking tone. Yet I refused to be nettled. The fortunes of the augurs and the Sajan family had been entwined for 800 years, the relationship mutually enriching to both. Yet whilst a few princes and augur masters had worked smoothly together, Ours is a history of shared antagonisms brought about by neither party recognising the other as their superior. I understood this, and, if anything, the augur's growing anger only awoke within me an amused sympathy. Gallias was correct about my perspective of Enfeshka being shaped by my having left the planet to live out there amongst the myriad stars of the three zones of humanity. But the augur was foolish to think my experiences had left me contemptuous of Enfeshka. True, here on Enfeshka, nine princes rule over 11 billion people, whilst in Demos, one man rules over hundreds of millions of star systems. And stars only know how many systems are ruled over by the Emperor of Hymiard. If there is actually an Emperor. Rumours suggest the political heart of Hymiard is nothing more than a giant golden statue of, depending on which version you believe, a lizard, a rat, or even a flea. Compared to Demos and Hymiard, we here in the third zone of humanity the optimistically named The League Unsundered, are a rabble of backward fools. Too busy backstabbing and arguing to do more than build the briefest of alliances between mere clusters of star systems. But having been to Demos, and seen it firsthand its silk-draped, powdered wind guffawing elite, I knew the poorest slum dweller in Glake City was a better man than any of the great lords of Demos. All of which 
I explained to Gallias. Fine words, your excellency, said Gallias. But any worthy pro would rather be a worthless lord. Without a sage and heir, or even the hope of an heir, loose intrigues will grow stronger and mesh. And the day will come when some bastard will raise a standard and tell the slum dwellers, Fight for me today, and tomorrow you'll all be lords. I have given it some thought, Gallias, I said. With no result. This time the auger's spittle managed to make a short leap from his mouth. I let my mind drift for a moment to warm dreams of sunny fields filled with heavy poppies and thick lavender bushes. I took a deep breath, held it deep within my lungs. Only when my chest began to ache did I let the breath escape. When I spoke again, I had the strangest feeling that the portrait of Christiana was somehow listening intently to my every word. You agree? I said. My domains are well served by Ifdeck. Gallias looked at me, his eyes narrowing. He is popular with patricians, I continued, with soldiers, bureaucrats, even with the slum dwellers. His energy, loyalty and efficiency have brought great bounty and respect to my domains. Gallias lifted his glass. He squeezed it so tightly that only his weakened condition stopped it exploding. The augurs have benefited. From this wealth and respect, I said carefully, opening my hands before me in a placating gesture. Gallias raised the glass to his mouth, but his lips were fused shut and the water dribbled down his chin. He let the glass go. It fell to the worn carpet with a soft sound. What of it? he said. His hands now clenched into fists, his voice a barely audible whisper. The Sajan family has benefited, your excellency, from centuries of augur blessings and guidance. I smiled as my arms opened wider. And long may the augurs keep us in their prayers. Gallias moved his fists stiffly down to rest on his lap. You are talking of Ifdek, he said. So I spoke of Ifdek, and by the very act of articulation, transformed the vague will-o'-the-wisp of an idea that had come to me in Glake into a tangible, concrete proposition. I intend to adopt Ifdek as my heir, I said. We will rule together for five years, then I will hand complete control over to him. I had no sooner spoken the words than Galeassi's demeanour changed abruptly. One moment his body was immobilised with rage, the next, his arms violently flipped upwards and his body twisted round. So he was p- 
partially facing Christiana's picture. Do you hear this, my dear? He called out to the face of the long dead woman. Oh, our excellency has one of his father's traits after all. He turned fully in the chair, kneeling in it, one arm waving at the picture, the other clinging to the chair as loud, gleeful, childish laughter spilled from him. Oh, nothing beats a sharp sense of humour, eh, Christiana? What was it you used to say, my dear? The best jokes are as sharp as a knife, <laughs> and just as clean and as cruel. <laughs> Galias havered on for a while to the young, beautiful face behind the glass, but Christiana's image remains silent, as silent as the net that catches the fish, or the grave that snatches the newly dead. And yet, whilst the picture troubled me, I felt myself drawn again to the perfection of the young Christiana. Her expression remained unmoving, yet it seemed to me that, even as Galias babbled, her features seemed to convey a new emotion, regret. Galias stopped talking then, and the room filled up with a strange quietness as we both contemplated the framed image that caught for all time the exhilarating innocence of a girl newly become a woman. When Galias turned back to face me, his eyes were damp. He slumped down into the chair once more. We spoke again, this time without anger. The regret that I had sensed in that picture had seeped into the gloomy room, into the very furnishings, the books, and the flesh and bones of us two protagonists. You are not joking, were you, Your Excellency? No, Galias. If Dex should rule, he's everything I am not. I understand that too well. Galias rubbed his eyes. But he is not a Sajin. He will be, when I have adopted him. The old man nodded, tugged at his nose, looked at his fingers. I guess that is so. What does Iftek think of this? I have not yet spoken to him about it. Does he suspect you have such a plan? I cannot say. May I advise that you do not tell him yet? Iftek is a very competent man, but he has his flaws. Flaws that could prove destructive. You're mistaken, Galias. I said, I'm the man with the flaws. It is Iftek that keeps everything together. Now his anger had drained from him, Galias looked weary, worn down by all the years he'd lived. His voice reflected his tiredness. Iftek's tolerance of visible earth heretics is something that troubles me greatly. Such blasphemy, Your Excellency, is as dangerous as a lack of a sage in 
air. You exaggerate, Gallias. They may be misguided, but many visible earthers are as law-abiding as you and I. It is foolish to judge them all by the horrors carried out by their co-religionists in the former war zone. For the briefest of moments, the augur's face was ignited by his former anger, but the light of his rage was extinguished even as he began to speak again. Many may indeed obey the law, your excellency, but their beliefs are a sickness. Their rituals are vomiting on the deities that keep the cosmos. But even as he spoke the words, his voice faltered and carried no conviction. The unfinished sentence seemed to me a frail reiteration of something he had spoken too many times before. Their beliefs are strange, Gallias, I said. The very idea that there should be a physical earth is ridiculous. But more harm has been caused suppressing them than ignoring them. The old man's head moved from side to side, a slow, palsied negation of my words. If Dick does not just ignore them, said Gallias, he encourages them. It is said he even plans to allow them into your civil service. He stopped to take a gurgling breath. I bent down, picked up his glass, refilled it, and handed it to the auger. He pushed my hand aside. He insults the gods, your excellency, with every such act of surrender, gives encouragement to their extremists. More blood is spilled, and more will be spilled, if Iftex lunacy is not stopped. He turned to look at the picture of Christiana. I waited a few minutes, wondering if the old man had gone crazy. But when he turned back to face me, it was not madness I saw in his eyes. It was fear. Thanks for listening to the latest chapter of Marcus Marcus and Hurting Heart. Be sure to tell all your friends, family and ancient enemies about the story. If you like it, rate it, review it, pass on the word and subscribe on Podbean, iTunes, Player or your favourite podcast app. Drop me a line on Twitter at Havering Rab. If you want to know more about what I do, check out my website, rabfultonstories.weebly.com.